Should I be just making YouTube content and just making podcast content? Are they separate or are they the same? I don't want to be alarmist or, you know, have people think about this differently, but I actually believe YouTube is the most important platform for podcasters from now on. It's interesting that you say YouTube is more important and YouTube podcast. Is the YouTube content strategy able to incorporate podcast? And if so, does it have to be two people in the same room? I think people are confusing being in the same room versus making great content. There's several high quality shows out there that are, all, are done remotely. And I want to say too, this is very important because it'll be asked by somebody listening. They'll say, what about own the race course? I'm going to say that it's okay to participate on these other platforms. Just don't make it your whole game because it can get stopped. It can change. This is James Schramko. James Schramko here. Welcome back to my podcast. This is episode 1052. And I also want to invite uh, Charlie Valor from ValorMedia.com. Great to have you on the call. Thanks for having me, James. It's nice to be back. I've got a lot on my mind lately, Charlie, and I couldn't think of anyone who I'd rather talk to about this than you because it's right in your wheelhouse. You've been known, especially in our past episodes, as being a, what do we call it, aficionado, passionate about video, podcasts, etc. We've talked before about how I've upgraded my camera, my microphone, my sound recording desk because of insights from you. One of the reasons I put my videos natively on other platforms is because you said, why don't you put those videos on the platforms, etc. So you've been right there, sort of at the wheelhouse with me, steering this big ship, the jamesramco.com podcast, which was formerly Superfast Business, formerly Internet Marketing Speed, and maybe I've missed a couple on the way through. But anyway, what's on my mind at the moment is I'm seeing some of the big podcasts. We think of the most famous ones, like, of course, Joe Rogan, and then all the other ones that Chris whatever his name is, Williams, is it? Chris Williamson? Absolutely. Diary of a CEO, all these other ones. I'm not sure. I'm not completely clear on where the best place to publish these is or which platform to make the priority. Because what I am seeing, especially through the clients that I work with, is YouTube is huge. I'll just say that right there. YouTube is massive because it's such a search engine. It seems to be making the content live a long time. It's searchable. I've been testing it on my other channel, my surf channel. And even with a tiny, tiny little subscriber base, I can get a lot more views than the number of subscribers I have because YouTube's serving it up to people who might be interested in it. And it's been really encouraging. For example, I had uh, 84 subscribers on that channel and I got a video with 4,000 views within a week or so, maybe two weeks. And it had lots and lots of comments, lots of shares, people marking it to check out later, etc. And really, really encouraging and then I would sort of maybe look at all of my stuff. What I have noticed is a lot of the podcasts that I've done, which we did publish on YouTube, they don't get a lot of views. And I'm guessing that's not the format that they're looking for, or I'm just not producing stuff the right way for that YouTube audience. And so the bigger questions are, should I be just making YouTube content and just making podcast content? I'm still getting you know tens of thousands of downloads on the audio format, which was always the original format for my podcast. I've got over a thousand episodes in my back catalogue. So it's also been probably the number one contributor to conversions in my ecosystem, the podcast, my guests and myself. So it is very important. I want to get it right. We ramped up to two episodes a week. We've worked really hard on getting better thumbnails, better titles, researching episodes, making sure that we have a minimum standard of audio quality and, and vision quality, etc. And so I'm at this crossroads now. I've got a brand new process for my YouTube content 
But are they separate or are they the same is probably my first big question. I know that's a massive amount of information there, but I wanted to give you the context to be able to unpack this a little bit for this particular episode. What a lead in. There is so much in that, James. I think that's going to be our whole episode is just unpacking that. Yeah, I'll just shut up from here on in. Right, It's all all over to you, Charlie. So would you believe I've had this same conversation, I would say, maybe five times in the last two months, especially with people like yourself who have been more established podcasters who have then made the jump onto YouTube, wanting to turn into a video podcast, and then in all honesty, not seeing the results. Right, Many of them have gone, well, we'll record on video, we'll start publishing it. They're not getting the views and traction and either they revert back or they evolve what they do into something else or go another way. So it's very, very common and surprising in a lot of ways for me. I find this very, very interesting. It's a particularly interesting thing. So where to start? I would almost go that if you're a successful audio only podcaster and you just try and publish your stuff on YouTube and you're expecting to see similar results, I'd almost say that's a mistake. I'd almost say that that is a guaranteed recipe unless you have some sort of massive following on YouTube already that is going to go poorly. I really do think you have to revert or not revert, alter the way you play the game in order to be successful on YouTube. I think that's very important. And then the next thing I'll say, and this is where I don't want to be alarmist or you know have people think about this differently, but I actually believe YouTube is the most important platform for podcasters from now on, the game is changed in a big way. And I don't know anyone who's getting up and saying that, well, I'm just going to start an audio podcast today. And uh, from scratch is going to see success. I actually think that would be very difficult, very, very difficult. So I think it would serve a lot of podcasters out there if they start taking this YouTube side of things more seriously, because I think it's going to be huge, really huge, in fact, in the coming years. Yeah. You know, there was even uh, one point where Apple had a video channel. So I had a separate podcast channel for the video but it got stopped for some reason i don't know why and i feel like i've often been just way too early to the market let's have a look at my old youtube channel had six thousand subscribers and the last 12 months i think it had one hundred and twenty-two thousand views right i know people who get more views than that on one video so of the whole time that i've been on it i've put thousands of videos on there not really ever cracked it and when i look at the content i can see why but some of the videos that i was doing 10 years ago that were also under a minute Well, even uh, like in different countries, filming on the spot stuff, I think that would have gone well now with shorts and reels. But it was just way before the platform was wanting to promote that stuff. It's interesting that you say YouTube is more important and YouTube podcast. So can we just unpack that for a minute? Is the YouTube content strategy able to incorporate podcast? And if so, does it have to be two people in the same room? Because I've been told maybe six times now that that's what would really make my podcast better because I feed so well off the other person and you get that dynamic that you can't reproduce over Zoom. All right, so let's, let's go with that one and then I'll jump into some stats here. Let's say that if you're in the room with someone that you legitimately feed into their energy and make better content, well, really you've made better content tend to perform better. Yeah, of course. Right. So if that's something that enables you to create a high quality content, I think then it's a good move. It really is. Is being in the same room a requirement though? So if you're able to make excellent content and not be in the same room, well, of course, people are still going to tune into that content. So I don't think the in-room thing is a requirement. I think people are confusing being in the same room versus making great content. So at the end of the day, the quality of the content, and I mean that from like the actual content itself, not the camera used or the microphone, 
is probably one of the most important things in a podcast being successful. Whatever you need to do to make your best content, you should do. Now, I realize some people maybe live remotely or have lifestyle factors or whatever it is that doesn't incorporate that. And is being remote a detriment? No, I don't think that at all. There's several high quality shows out there that are are done remotely. Like it's definitely not a requirement in that way. I mean, even now we're remote and I would still say the quality of this conversation, I'm hoping anyway, is still going to be pretty damn good overall. Well, it's definitely relevant to me, (laughs) but I'm sure it might be reasonably interesting to a good chunk of my audience because they listen to a podcast, obviously, and some of them have been on my journey. But I look at other things and I think, well, back when I started, I was always in the top 10. You know, my podcast was in the top 10. Now it's lucky to be in the top 100 sometimes. I'm big in Argentina and I still don't know why. But anyway, secondly is back then it was audio and now it's most definitely video. It's like it's really brought a different dynamic to the table. And I was just thinking about this, my weekly group calls that I just did yesterday and the day before. Everyone was on video. That is a relatively new phenomenon. Firstly, it used to be audio only. We went through this big crossover phase where most people were just audio and a couple of very outgoing or video-centric people would be on the video. And now everybody's on it. We're there. We're there where video is the minimum standard. So that's changed. But then this is why I feel YouTube is just so important. And I I apologize for interjecting here, but I just want to really almost grab onto a point here that I think it's important for people to understand is like even that comment there tells you video is here. That's how we're doing this now. It's again why I think YouTube's so important. If you look to things that YouTube's doing as well is you can now actually tag videos as podcasts and they come up separately in the YouTube platform. If you're a premium user and have the premium controls, it looks like a podcast app now. Like YouTube are coming for this market and making a significant dint in it. And I myself, there's many shows I used to listen to on my Apple podcast app. I now actually tune in on YouTube because they do the chapter buttons really well. You can tune into specific segments. And apparently I've got a thumbs up tool happening on uh, Zoom right now as we record this, James. Yeah, well, if you do two thumbs up, you get fireworks. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> See, video can be fun. But do you love it? That's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's come on. Work with me here. So we've got to be able to get one? Surely we can get one. Yeah. There we go. Maybe you do a better one. But this is just all to the point. It's all leading to YouTube. It's in in a big way and they dominate this market. I really think podcasters need to take this more seriously. They, They do in a huge way. I think the underlying theme is then how do you play it? Like what's the playbook look like? So what do you do in my case? I've been pumping out regular podcasts. I've worked on making the quality of the podcast a minimum standard, better conversations, more research-based. Every podcast, we have a discussion prior or some show notes to work from, so they're not just winging it off the cuff. Like the good old days, after we publish, we're sending out the emails to the guests. We're doing some social promotion, et cetera. So all all the minimum stuff. But how do I decide what to do with the video and the YouTube stuff? Because I'm at the point now where I absolutely am making dedicated video first content. Would it be possible where I just make those YouTube videos and then podcast it? Or do I still need to treat a podcast as its own medium? So I'm going to encapsulate this in an idea that you are a podcaster here. I'm going to say that if you want to be a a YouTube creator, That's almost a different category here. We can cover that at another point, but like you can be successful at both. And there's many examples of that. Like Mr. Beast is a successful YouTuber in my mind, right? Mm -hmm. He's got a YouTube channel. He makes YouTube videos. Reasonably successful. Yeah, reasonably successful. Where if you look at like, you know, the podcasters, we're really talking about like Rogan 
or Patrick Beck David mm-hmm. or Chris Williamson, for example. Like they are podcasters. They're not making YouTube specific content in that way. It's different games. It's like ads versus SEO. Sure, you can get traffic, but they're different sports. So if you're sitting at a desk with a microphone, you're a podcaster. If you're burying yourself alive or crashing monster trucks into pits or whatever, then you're a YouTuber. Yeah, we'll roll with that. I like that definition. <laughs> yeah. So as the um, you know podcaster version, what does it look like to be successful on YouTube as a podcaster? So you've kind of referenced in like, you know, the first thing everyone goes to is like, well, I'll start recording, you know, my video and I'm going to put up those full interviews on YouTube, right? Is that a requirement? Absolutely. But I think there's so much more that 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 needs to come into the conversation. And that's where it kind of gets interesting in my mind. So I just want to break this into two really quickly. If you're a new podcaster, I would encourage you be YouTube first. You be thinking everything YouTube first. If you're an existing podcaster, you kind of have some legacy to deal with in that you might already have a back catalog of, you know, people who are listening to you on Apple and people on Spotify or whatever it is in itself. But um, for the sake of this, we'll stick to the YouTube component now. So the first thing I would really look at is if you're a podcaster and you're looking to make the transition to being more dominant on YouTube, you have to promote that really well. So whenever you're sending out your emails, whenever you're sending people to episodes, where you link to from your social posts... I wouldn't be putting links to every platform anymore. I'm pushing all traffic to YouTube. And I think one of the reasons why many podcasters don't succeed when they make the jump over to YouTube is they might publish this video there, but then when you look at their emails or you look at the things they're doing elsewhere, they're still stuck in old promotion methods. And uh, if there's anything I know for certain on YouTube, if you just upload a video and expect people to find it, it probably won't. Like you really have to be thoughtful in the way you're getting traffic to these things right now. So I think that's a huge first step is thinking about where am I going to get my traffic from? Can I just change the links I put in my emails? When I do other social posts, can I link over to YouTube? How can I be the one that actually drives people to the content? So I I think that's an imperative part of it. You just put it in subtly, but I want to reinforce that. And it's actually on, on stage one of my new system here. This is the YouTube system. And I'm calling this my core YouTube system. Like that's the YouTube first. But the first thing I want to know is what is the point of this content? Like what result would the customer want and what result do I want from this content? And who is this for specifically? I want that bullseye. But the next thing is the call to action. And I've got in a little note here, separate video. What I've noticed people do, instead of all the 50,000 links off to here, there or everywhere, they just put a link to one video that's essentially usually a VSL or a lead magnet opt-in. And so all their videos are pointing back to the one call to action they would like people to take. Huge, right? Just that simple idea can make a massive, massive difference. And then you could run paid traffic to that VSL separately. Well, this is where the fun starts, right? There's all kinds of fun you can have here. And I'd love to give people some different ideas about like how you can win it. So I'm almost overwhelmed, but we'll just break this down one at a time. (laughs) Giddy with excitement. (laughs) Oh, I am. I absolutely am. So uh, let's pretend you're starting to publish your podcast on YouTube. You want to get people to there. One of my favorite strategies to run in growing the YouTube presence for people is going, well, we're going to take a clip from the full length of the podcast. And you would have seen many of the other podcasts out there making clips and shorts and things like that. Many even have dedicated channels to that. And what they'll actually do is promote the short clip. That's a really like meaty point and then go, well, if you would like to hear more of this interview, like watch the full episode on the channel. Like that's their way of doing it. They're not actually promoting the full episode of the podcast. They promote the clip, they get the traction, and then people that want to listen to that clip or hear more from that will listen to more. So I think that's a really powerful idea. And this is where those little differences are is going, well, you know, in the Apple ecosystem, 
we're not pulling clips out and trying to get promote those clips. We just promote our full episode. In the YouTube ecosystem, we know that people are more designed to be uh, there for shorter content, maybe five to seven minutes, and then they're moving on to the, the, the full length or something bigger in that way. So this is how, if you're a YouTube podcaster, you can start adapting the way you do content to be more in line with what YouTube wants in a really, really big way, which I think is really powerful. So if you were going to use an ad strategy here, pulling a short clip, you run ads to the clip, the clip then can take people to the full length, I think is a very viable way to do it. I'm, I'm doing some of that right now with great success. I'll put a little difference on it though. So that's like a, a paid traffic approach. Another one I really love is that if you're going to be, um, I'll frame this the right way, like many podcasters in the way they do like research for episodes right now might be on like a guest they want to get. Right? So they really just like are interviewing people and then making content on that. Or I think if you're going to go into this YouTube landscape, one of the most powerful ideas you can do is like, well, what are people searching for? Yeah. Can I make content based on what people are searching for? And I'll, I'll give a shout out to, um, there's a podcast out there called Mind Pump. And I think they do an excellent job of this is where they essentially do podcast episodes that are Q and A's, but all those Q and A's, which is, you know, questions and answers are actually search terms people are looking for on YouTube. So a difference you might make to your podcast if you want to be successful on YouTube is like once a month, could you do a and a episode, which you know are for search terms that people are actually searching for on YouTube? So what a difference it could make if you want to do well more organically is that if you were being found for things that people are actually intentfully looking for. So I think that's a really powerful idea in itself. Now, um, a little, uh, how can I put it, a thing I love doing, let's pretend we were going to make a Q&A episode on, you know, how to gain muscle and lose fat at the same time, because I'm sure people are searching for that on YouTube. You can kind of do this really cool thing as well, where you could actually use ads to buy that keyword placement, also appear there organically. And then now you've got a really powerful way of getting traffic to YouTube channel from within the YouTube platform, which I think is really powerful. I just want to loop back to um, one of my earlier ideas here is like, you know, if you're going to pull out a short clip and maybe use it on Facebook and run a Facebook ad to grow your YouTube channel, that can work really well. I've had a lot of success with that, but more and more I'm leaning into uh, using YouTube ads to grow a YouTube platform organically within some of the mechanisms I just mentioned there, like keywords, which I think is an incredibly powerful idea. So again, little adaption is instead of, you know, just grabbing a guest or something like that, is to move into the idea of being more in line of what people are searching for on YouTube. Yeah, it certainly is consistent with other things that I've seen and, and doing. I mean, even if you take this episode, we're not talking about all, all about Charlie and Charlie's backstory and Charlie's life and Charlie. We're talking about whether you should be setting up a YouTube channel or a podcast channel or whether they can be combined. Or so we're talking about very specific terms here. And also, when I, I went and had a nice um, coffee with Justin Brown from Primal TV, Primal Video down the road here and he's very search based and he was sort of flagging the idea and he's organic that it doesn't really matter how many subscribers you have if you're making the right content it will get promoted on the platform and that's exactly what has happened to me with the surf channel where a tiny subscriber base i get way more people visiting and we did take that core video and then chop it into little bits to put on instagram and into shorts because a 14 or 17 minute video, you end up with quite a few little things as long as you script hooks all the way through it. Yeah, I'd love to chime in a little bit more on that. One of the things I found really interesting along the ways, I thought, and this is uh, something I tried and legitimately put a reasonable amount of money behind. In previous episodes, we've spoken about how much I spent on ads. 
So I know this was well tested. I really thought that the Shorts platform would be a great thing for driving longer video views. It hasn't been that way at all. I've actually found in my tests in the last three months, and again, this could change, right? These platforms do change. But what I've seen in the last three months is that um, Shorts hasn't done as well in driving full-length views or driving podcast views as, let's say, those like five-minute clips, which are a bit longer. So I really think that if you're looking at utilizing that type of strategy, I would lean more into the five to seven minute video if you're on the YouTube platform. But however, you know, the caveat of that is if you go over and use it as a, I think it's a reel on Instagram and Facebook, right? That's been really good at driving people over in the other way. So even the type of content and where you promote it can make a very, very big difference here. That's what we're doing. We're doing reels across to YouTube. Yeah. And we took that core video and we broke it down into screenshots from the video with all the images and cross-linked between us. And we made a beautiful, epic blog post, like a full-on guide, which was a transcript loosely, but cleaned up and made really effective to read and cross-linked to all the things we'd mentioned. And that's picking up SEO traffic now, which attracts advertising revenue for our site. And in the old days, that would have been the first thing we did. We would have just done a blog post. So it's funny, we're now doing the research and the the core seed and checking other channels and keyword intent and then scripting out and then filming and then producing, then publishing. And then somewhere along the way, it ends up on the socials and then finally the blog post, and then we can email the customers about it. But if you stack all those things together, we've been getting big results from just one core piece of content. So I'm on the same train as you there, Charlie. I'm more focused now on those 10, 12, 14 minute well-researched, high-quality productions versus the shorts. I mean, I've done so many shorts. Seriously, when I was looking back through my channel, I've done so many shorts, I can't even remember recording these shorts. I had shorts all around Europe, shorts all around every place I've ever lived. So many. Probably the bulk of them didn't even have a hook, which is a huge, massive, silly mistake that I'm learning now. But it's almost like there's been such inflation. And I will say people like Hormosi have definitely contributed to this because they've just waltzed in and flooded the market with high quality and high quantity and just completely shifted the paradigm. It's made everybody question how they're doing things, especially course sellers right through to content creators. But I'm certain about one thing. Next year, 2024, has to be more strategic than it's ever been before for me. And I have a good solid base and I'm always learning. And that's why I wanted to get you on here to find out what would you do in my position, you know, with a blank canvas, what's your prescription for me? Oh, I love that as a question. Can I throw in a couple of things? Cause I'm excited. I really am. Just a quick, sure. a quick thesis on the shorts thing. I think that for a lot of people, when they're in shorts, it's a bit of mindless scrolling. There's not a lot of intent behind it. And if you think about someone who's in that frame, it's like not as powerful as someone who's actually searching for something on YouTube or is being intentful with their feed or what they curate. I agree. So I think you want to play over that side more than the shorts. And I know there's a lot of people out there getting views on shorts like Harmozy, as you've mentioned here, but I suspect that's for a different caliber as your point. They're geared up pretty heavily in resources, where if you have lesser resources, you want to be going strategic and the most effective to your point here, which I think is um, there. Well, I think even in my case, I have resources. I've probably sold hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million dollars worth off the shorts I've done over the years. So I don't want to dismiss it as being useless, but I feel like the game has shifted. I feel like whatever advantage I had for being early and consistent, it's now sort of been equalized. 
I'm way more interested in the longer form content because I feel like there's a bigger barrier to entry and there's more effort involved and it's going to weed out the competition significantly. Oh, I agree with that so much. Uh, can I share one more growth strategy before we get into your yeah. blank canvas? You're here to share. Go for it. Oh, this one's been really successful as well. And I I look at it and go, and I'll, I'll tell the niche and everything on this one. So we do a lot of work in the, we'll call it the property space in Australia. And um, one of the things that I, um, big, big topic on YouTube, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, what are they called? Finfluencers <laughs> in this area. There's a lot of people in property. So it's a really good marketplace on YouTube for them. However, one of the most effective paths for them growing their YouTube channel is actually uh, they'll run ads on Facebook and maybe it's a guide on how to buy your first three properties or maybe it's the next hotspot locations. They'll get the name, email and phone number of people that want that resource and then they've actually got podcast episodes on their YouTube channel that support it. So you've just downloaded this guide on how to buy your first three properties and then you go over to YouTube and you can watch a case study on how someone did it. Or if you've just got this, you know, these are the top five locations we think are going to perform in 2024. Well, we've actually done a deep dive, which takes you through that data and shows you some cool stuff. So I'm a really big fan of like linking lead magnets up to YouTube videos. I think it's a killer strategy for growth. And then the added bonus of that is that you've got them on your email list to promote new and upcoming more YouTube videos, which I think is massive. And I, I will touch on this as well, because there's a part of it I'm kind of missing in the conversation here, which I think is very relevant. Every strategy I've mentioned so far, whether that's like taking the clip, whether it's the lead magnet strategy, any of them are really centered around the way of like, how do you get that person to their first video with you on YouTube? What it neglects to talk about is the idea of like, once you watch someone's video on YouTube, what happens? Do you ever at all see another video from that person in your feed, James? Well, I mean, it just goes, you go to the next one. Next, 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 you know. Hugely so. And this is why I would really want to encapsulate here is that in what you're doing with your YouTube channel, you want to be thinking about, well, how am I initially getting people to a video so then they can engage? That's like your part one. But then the second part of that is like, how am I actually getting them to consume future videos on the platform as well? So that's your part two in thinking about like how you successfully do it. So again, and it's like, there's many people where I've watched a video of theirs, then I've seen more relevant videos, then I've clicked on more things. And then before you know it, I'm a subscriber and follow their channel because that's the game in this world. I'm finding there's a bit of that SEO thing. I, as I'm doing a surfboard review, if I've done a different video on the same surfboard or whatever, then we can embed it. Like, you know, we did a review on this board here and it's like the SEO chain linking up all the videos. Absolutely. Should we get to your blank canvas uh, thing? Michelle, I just want to say one other little benefit of putting YouTube videos in your email sequence is they'll probably play in Gmail right there in the ecosystem. Honestly, the more we talk about this and some of these points I didn't even think would come up in this episode, there's just so many little games you can play and different ways to do it. But it's, it's a fascinating space. It's not just a this is the way and there's one path. Honestly, it's like cooking, right? It's like there's so many different cuisines and styles you can play with and be incredibly successful on the platform. And I want to say too, just uh, this is very important because it'll be asked by somebody listening. They'll say, what about own the race course? I'm going to say that compared to when I started around the 2006 to now, it's really worth sending your race horse off to other people's race courses to win some prize money. Of course, you want them on your email list. Of course, you want their telephone number or their address. That will happen. But lean into these platforms. What we've talked about in this episode, just to recap, is if you put your VSL or your piece of content or your lead magnet 
sales thing on their platform, they're more likely to send people to it from their platform to their platform. The same you send the video in their platform, they'll let you play it in their platform. So it's okay to participate on these other platforms. Just don't make it your whole game because it can get stopped. It can change. Charlie even said that. They keep changing. Things are up. Things are down. So use these platforms. What I'm talking about is how to most effectively leverage other platforms to bring people into my ecosystem. What I really want is a recurring subscription client. That's what I want. To get that, I need to engage in their platforms the way that they like people to play, which I've always done for SEO with my own site engage in a way that Google likes to promote my site. So over to you, Charlie, for this, um, this blank canvas lay down. Where to go from here? All right. So if I, if I got control of your podcast, and maybe some of these things will come true now that uh, you know, we've, we're putting it out there. First thing I would change if I was you, James, is going, okay, well, you're doing two episodes essentially a week at the moment, and they're more podcast-style episodes. I would change that right away to keep one more what you have been doing. Like you're an excellent interviewer. I love listening to your podcast because it's like, I know I'm going to get something unique. You're not going to give the softball questions. It's always going to be good on that regard. And then the second thing a week is I'm shifting away from that and I'm doing something that's YouTube first. If I want to be successful on this platform, that's the... That, that is in place. That has been in place for about three weeks. We've been doing one episode a week for a while. In fact, the previous episodes from this, they've come out each week. So tick for that one. I totally agree. Feature core YouTube video and podcast. Even doing this episode, you know, while I'm in the midst of this curious retrospective and innovative look at my business, I like doing these conversations. I don't want to stop doing that. So I'm not going to stop my podcast, but I would, I would like to do one a week instead of two a week. So that's a big tick. Well, this is the thing I like to remind podcasters of. People still love a good interview. Yeah. It's just that we have to think about how we're bringing this all together here. So you can look at Patrick Bet David, Mind Pumps, Diary of a CEO, Chris Williamson. They're all still doing few inter- uh, massive interviews. They get massive amounts of views. It's just that they've built out this whole other path that the audio podcasters are not. And that's really where we're looking to get the uptake or the change or reallocation of resources, I think is a good way to think about it. Now, second thing I would do, and I don't know if you're going to like this one. We'll find out. Amenable. Any promotion you do of your podcast is now only YouTube. I'm not promoting Apple links. I'm not promoting Spotify. I'm not sending things to a website. I'm pushing YouTube hard because I know that in doing that, while it might come at the cost of some audio downloads, expect that. I think once you get this algorithm spinning on YouTube, because that's where it's all going, and a lot of those people that were on audio are coming over to YouTube, I think you're going to get them back and more. So is that when we email out the audience to say a new podcast has dropped, are we sending them to YouTube instead of my website? Absolutely. Okay. And on that YouTube video in the description, does it link to a VSL on YouTube now instead of on my website? Absolutely. Okay. I'd be going all in on it. Like if, um, what is it? We're going to narrow our focus. We're going to do less, but better. I'm going to push all of that into being over into the YouTube ecosystem. Less, but better. Dita Rams. That's my working motto right now. So I'm okay with that. I think we can try that. Yep. Thirdly, I, I really believe you are the king of memberships. I think that's like a specialty area of your business, James, that you've done phenomenally well with that. And I know you've got some great trainings on that within your, um, I can't remember, we're not calling it super fast anymore. What are we calling the forum? No, it's, I, you know, I've never actually had a name for my membership yet. 
<laughs> no wonder I'm coming to it. Like I'm like a jamesramco.com membership. I, like you can't name. I I haven't actually bothered to name my membership since 2009. So. Well, no wonder I'm blanking out. I'm like I can't remember what this membership's called. I, like I'm not really that effective as a marketer. But it, um, yes, there's plenty of members at jamesramco.com. Yeah, so I would love to see you develop a lead magnet that is like, you know, the membership blueprint, yep. you know, which it might be like how to get your first 100 people in your membership. It might be how to make $100,000 a year yep. with the membership business. But I want a journey-based lead magnet. Something that says you're at point A, I'm going to take you to point B. Yeah. Well, I've got that. I just need to redo it. And do I do that as a YouTube series or one YouTube video that's really long with chapters? Well, I'm thinking just as a PDF downloadable, right? I've got that already. I've already got that. Well, maybe, maybe we set this up after. We'll talk about this. But um, <laughs> I would actually run that as a Facebook ad to get name, email, and phone number. So you're now building your list to promote things on YouTube, which I think is really good. But then I want the back of that to be some trainings that you've done and excerpts from training mm-hmm. that you've got on YouTube. Yep. Because I think you can bring people over to that platform to show some of these things. And if we really want to take this one next level, I'd love to see you do some more interviews with people that have got memberships or done your blueprint and even have some like case studies coming through or some videos on that. So now we've got a bit of a silo we're building out where it's like, not only are we getting more traffic to YouTube and growing our YouTube, now we've got a great little pathway that aligns to like what your business sells, which I think is an important part. So I must have dozens of those case studies from memberships. As I delete old episodes or at least no index, no follow old posts, from the back catalogue, those would be the ones that stay, providing more focus and a better silo. Would that be something that's considered? Yes, in summary, I think is the most direct way to answer that. Yeah, a lot of people get caught up in the game of getting views on YouTube. I will say it's never been a. It's never. I mean, I've, obviously, I notice that I don't get many, right? Clearly, but I still somehow manage to scrape together a reasonable living with the ones that I do get because I think I have a very high buyer intent. I feel like they really resonate with me. And I think everything you've just said here fully aligns with two things, actually. One is mentorship because I'm able to help business owners. But the second thing is I'm sure John Lint would be delighted that I'll have an absolute fantastic frontline walking through into click, KLEQ.com, which is my, you know, it's a top partnership that I have and an amazing platform that I run my website on. And, and I want to do things relating to memberships. And so focusing more on that makes a lot of sense. And then, so my next little strategy for you is I suspect, and I won't even bring this up in live time, which is dangerous. If we get on YouTube right now, I'll bet there's people searching for membership related things. So it's like, you know, uh, I'm just going to put in membership business or membership business model. Oh, I love that one because I I think you've even got some great things on the membership business model. So I've just put that in there and it's like the first video that's come up is subscription business model and it's had 148,000 views in the last four years. If that was me, I'm buying that placement. I want every time someone searches something membership related, I want to buy that keyword and then I want to be in the feed for that keyword. Like that's where I'm going to put, uh, I think it's known as an in-feed ad now. And then I'm going to link up to your video that's on membership. So we've hit, and again, you could do a podcast interview that you've done on memberships that you want to link up to here. I, I want to make sure that we align to the topic here of like, you know, how do we make this friendly for podcasts? Well, that's where you make the content specific. But now we've got a second place we can get a ton of growth from. So I've got the blueprint to build your list as a Facebook ad or a meta ad, we'll call it these days. I've got keywords I'm going to go after in the YouTube platform itself. I'm going to be directing a lot of content to membership-related stuff. 
But again, James, you could pick out some other silos here if you wanted to go after them. Am I doing a bunch of 10 or 12 minute videos on single topics or am I doing a like a masterclass of membership for YouTube organic that we can then buy ads to? Yeah. So th- this is where the opportunity is, is like you could start building this out and maybe you do one video a month on memberships. Yeah. Maybe you have someone on for an interview for memberships. Maybe you do a new case study every now and again, as more people are becoming successful. I think this is something where it's like, you can continually keep adding to it. Yeah. If you wanted to do a, like, uh, I remember this is like where people used to do like, you know, the ultimate blog post. Yep. You could do like the ultimate video on memberships and that's like your one core that you could keep sending people to. Yeah. But I really think when someone's in this system is like the ongoing and updates that come with this. So how do we know next year is like, you know, your 2024 guide to building a membership business. Yeah. I suspect that will do well, especially if we're talking about the things that have changed since you last did that type of training. Epic. Well, I've I've got a back of an envelope here full of notes. So I've got it, but we're already back to one a week. We will focus on YouTube. I think we'll do that call to action and see what happens. I will work on my VSL or lead magnet or, or whatever call to action leads people into that membership thing. And I'll start creating membership specific content. So Charlie, how do we get help from you, by the way? You seem quite knowledgeable on all this video podcasting stuff and running paid traffic. Best way to contact? Well, fortunately enough, I do a review. Right. So how, how lucky and well <laughs> well positioned at this point, James. Well, I've enjoyed mine today. Thank you. I'll put myself out there as part of what I agreed to earlier in the series uh, to be more vulnerable. I'm, I'm sharing what's on my mind openly now uh, with the audience so you can see that even I don't know every single step all the time. There's some uncertainty, but that's what I've been thinking about lately and I've, I've really enjoyed today's conversation. How do we get help from you if we're in a similar situation? Appreciate that, James. So head on over to Valor Media. That's V-A-L-H-E-R media.com slash review. And uh, you'll put in some details there. It goes directly to me, like it hits my inbox and then I'll respond and then we can potentially look at setting up a time to review what you're doing. If you're a podcaster and you haven't begun to make some of these changes, it is definitely time. You are missing the boat in a big way. A huge opportunity. And even for those that are doing YouTube, there's so many amazing strategies when it comes to growth. There really, really is. Epic. There we go. This is episode 1052, Charlie Valor, valormediate.com. Awesome. I'll give you an update, Charlie, on our next discussion and we'll, we'll cover a few more topics. I've got a few other ideas I'd like to discuss with you. This is James Schramko. 